Hello. Nina, hi, it's Tim here, Tim Reed. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Excellent, yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, I just got your email, so definitely still on. Fab. 5.30, see you at your radio station. Yes. Brilliant. That's ideal. Yeah, looking forward Great. to it. All right, then. All right, cheers, Nina. See you later. See you later. Bye, Tim. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Tim Reed. I write comedy and coach teams in creativity and innovation. And I think we can all learn how to be more creative by finding out how comedians and comedy writers think, behave and the methods they use for coming up with a steady stream of new material. So I'm getting inside their funny minds to see where their ideas come from. Today I'm talking to the very funny stand-up comedian Nina Gilligan. Nina's getting rave reviews and taking stand-up comedy competitions by storm. A finalist in Reality Bites 2013, Kill for a Seat 2014, and winner of Liverpool Hot Water Comedian of the Year 2014. And when she's not gigging, Nina hosts her own radio show, Gilligan's Island, on Fab Radio in Manchester. And I went to see her at her studio. So, Nina, so I'm going to get inside your funny mind. Okay. What do you think I'll find? Uh, who knows? It might be like my attic. Some, maybe some old Christmas decorations. Uh-huh. A bit of stuff lying around... What Maybe kind of stuff that I don't even know is there and I've not seen for ages. That would be great. Wow. What, so what do you... Well, have a, have a quick look around. What do you think it's going to be? Well... What's next to the Christmas decorations? What is next to the Christmas decorations? It's probably those photographs I've been looking for that I haven't been able to look at for years and years. It's like it's embarrassing or... Um. <laughs> <laughs> you snuck them away. <laughs> yeah, possibly. So, possibly. So tell me a bit. So you do, you do stand-up. I do. Uh, a lot. Yes. So you're doing how many times a week at the moment? Between three and four. That's quite specific, isn't it? Three yeah, and four so three times and a, a week. So when you first start out, you do the beginnings of the week because nobody really wants to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so some landlord somewhere will put comics on at the beginning of the week to sell a couple of extra pints. But now I've been doing it a little bit longer. It's kind of Thursday onwards. Yeah, and t- but you've been... Doing it pretty well. I mean, you've been winning some awards and getting into finals of yeah, competitions. And I've been doing okay. I think yeah? I've been doing okay. So when did you when did you realise that you wanted to get into stand up? Well, I do to go a little bit further back. I had hmm. been an actor. Uh, what did you do? I had gone to drama school, and after drama school, I had a few parts in theatre, mm-hmm. and then I got up the duff very timely. <laughs> And got out of London, got out of acting, and yeah. started to have proper jobs. Right. And I'd ended up as a probation officer. Life that's, takes, that's proper, isn't it? That, that is, is proper, proper in all senses of proper, isn't mm. it? And when I got very fed up with that, and it kind of collapsed, I was like, what am I going to do? And I wanted to get back to something that I loved, mm. which is performing. And I bit, did a bit of a skills audit and thought, well, people always found me funny. I always got character roles. So you did a skills audit? I did a bit of a skills audit yeah. and thought, I'm quite pragmatic yeah, in yeah. my approach to things. So I thought, well, what can I do? And also I was thinking, stand-up comedy is perfect for me because I'm a mother, so I can't be going off on tour for six weeks at yeah. a time. Fits around the school run. Yeah, I can put the tea on, go and tell some jokes, maybe yeah. pop my head in before they go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Handy. So, <laughs> handy. But yeah. so that's really interesting. It was a pragmatic decision. You kind of worked out your skills. So what 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 is it about you then, in terms of the skill set that meant that you make people laugh? Oh, that's a good question. 
I think I know, I knew from my performing life that I absolutely adored performing in comedy and that I could make that work. And I think, this sounds really arrogant, I think I felt I had good comic timing. Yeah, no, of course it doesn't sound arrogant. You clearly have. <laughs> so so, uh, so it's the timing and the performance. The timing and the performance. And I knew that in my own life, outside reading other people's scripts, mm. I am the kind of one of the family entertainers. Yeah. So I am someone that tries to kind of draw a laugh so, uh, in my everyday life. And how do you do that, do you think? I think... You, I think you, um, I kind of, I was, oh, that's another good question. You're making me think. These are the things we often don't think about, is it? Absolutely. You know, it's like, what is Because it? it's so to you, it's so natural. Yeah. But that's what I'm trying to understand, really. It's like. When I was little, I had, um, this was a quite male heavy environment. I was like with my dad and my brother, and they were very funny people in their own right. And to actually make myself heard, I had to kind of conversation bomb <laughs> <laughs> with something yeah, that would yeah. draw attention back to me. And it had to be, I think you learn to be succinct and make a quick point. That's really interesting. Or take off a quick tangent. Yeah. But so did you do that? Or mock. Yeah, I was going to say, so where did the humour thing come in? Did you find when you, like, conversation bomb, yeah. say succinct, was it funny as well? Did, was, yeah. Was and was that because that's what they would pay attention to? Yeah. So I, if I could say something witty that they'd stop them in the tracks and make them yeah. laugh, yeah, 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 that's back to me. I also, like, this sounds quite sexist. I have a sort of terrible theory that um, men can innately have more confidence and innately feel that if they talk, people will listen. Therefore, they can talk for longer without worrying that people would get bored. Whereas I have a sense, and I don't know if this is female, that if I'm saying something, I have to say it more quickly and with more point and more humour in order to be heard. That is really interesting. It See, might just be massively really paranoid. <laughs> no, but just the thought that you've you've observed that or thought it, yeah. whether it's true or not, that's yeah. clearly something that drives you then, yeah. this thought that... You know, you need to hold people's attention, or you need to earn it and deserve it to keep it. Yes, absolutely. That is really so. So then, turning that into stand-up, then mm. that's still quite a big leap to go from. Yes. I need to be funny to get people's attention to going right. I'm going to actually get up on a stage with an act. Yeah. So what? What? Talk me through how you how you got to that. And, and I know you were so acting, so you'd done performance. But then, yeah. even so, I think, to then be a stand-up, you're suddenly much more exposed. You are, and that is terif terrifying. And I think when I first wrote the stand-up, I was slightly... And I t still, to an extent, do hide behind a kind of persona or a kind of character that I've mm -hmm. created. How did you create it? Um... Possibly through the kind of washing machine of influence, you know, that you've grown up with of people that you love. And there are voices in your head, aren't there? Not all of them you should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so voices in your head. So tell me a bit more about that. So I can imagine, if I come up with a piece of comedy, I'm probably jumping the gun slightly here. I can imagine a comedian saying it in their style. I sometimes hear Billy Connolly. Or I hear... 
Victoria Wood or I hear a voice mm. that kind of lends itself to that topic, even though it's not their topic and it's not their material, but I can sort of I can yeah. sort of sense the take. And how do you use that? Um, I think it gives you a sort of because you, what you can't, what I don't want to do is copy that. It sort of becomes you. So I can hear all that, and then it, I sort of distill it down into to what must be Nina Gilligan's persona. And yeah, so and so is that something you consciously developed? The persona. I think there was a little bit in me because I am very staunchly working class. I think we don't use that um, expression anymore in the current climate. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if I can use working the C word, now. yeah, it's working, working, people, working people, working people. If I can <laughs> use the C word, if I can use class, I think I always quite celebrate the idea of the mundane working class ordinary experience yeah. and the sort of joy in the observation yeah. of that and that feels very real to me because I grew up in one of those nondescript suburban northern working class households and I have all the voices of my grandma and my mother and all those people in in my head and some comedians ones that I've probably mentioned like Billy Connolly and Victoria Wood they also have that that heritage I think yeah and you said you kind of got so the voices in your head yeah so are they people that you used to know and other comedians and so and how do you use those to to create new material what happens um I think the topic might be new but the take is already sort of my approach on it is probably already sort of there so um, I do a big routine about a vajazzle. Yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> you still slightly traumatised. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm slightly traumatised with the threat of seeing your muff at the end of, <laughs> the end of your... I'm uh, she won't get it out today. Maybe <laughs> later. But um, I, I looked at that. Is That is just a ridiculous concept. So, and I looked at that in the kind of, from the outside in... From yeah. from me as real Nina, going that is ridiculous. I would never do that to myself. And then took it into the actually thought well the funniest way to that is to experience it in the first person and take people with you on that journey as if you did it in the first person. That's the yeah yeah yeah. That's the humour of it from a working class kind of not glamorous perspective, as down to earth and as pragmatic as yeah. you could possibly be yeah. with that yeah and and so created a whole routine yeah yeah and so the other voices are really interested as well you kind of so you've i can see how you could create that through using um you know that that like you said the the, uh, the washing machine yeah voices from your past and your in yeah. your your uh your whole your life yeah but but um thinking about uh how it might sound through the voice of uh, other comedians yeah. Um, that's a really interesting way of challenging, I suppose, your thinking or yes. trying to re-express yeah, it in new it and does. different I ways. I think you sort of audition the material through other people in your head. So I hear it from... So I can sort of hear it from Dylan Moran's perspective, you know, or who, how yeah, would yeah, they yeah. do that? Yeah. And I sort of I sort of kind of... Because that can take you on a, an unexpected turn with it where you think, oh, actually, that's a good approach. But I'm not... 
I'd really want to stress it's not you kind of coughing that face and it's trying to totally sort of channel that voice. Yeah, I totally get it. So you take the thing that you've created, yeah, but you use how it might have sounded yeah. out of various other people. So I can hear Billy Connolly sort of saying yeah. that, and then she came home with a vajazzle. I yeah. couldn't believe it, you know. So, I, yeah, so, it, so so it brings a new, it brings his perspective to it to inform you having a new idea. I about totally it. get, I totally get that. That's a really interesting way of building an idea. Yeah. Um, so once you once you've developed something, then how do you um, uh, uh, refine it? How do you reiterate and refine it? What do you? D- There's a number of things that happen. I think going away from it is very is really key for me. I I often you know my diary is littered with dates that I've never met with writing where I say writing day, mm-hmm. and what actually happens in writing day mm-hmm. is that. I get kind of frustrated and upset that I've not created much at all apart from some random scribblings and then I go and have a bath <laughs> and as I think the process of lying in the bath you've set a program going in your head and then it's sort of working away in the background yeah. and it's making sh- it's, it's not a very good program it's a little bit default so it's making silly links silly connections for you in a way and I kind of go and then an idea will occur to oh yeah okay actually that works with that I didn't see the connection before but now so once you've you've relaxed the new connections that you hadn't expected come and so uh, what kind of connections so um, thinking about oh I'm trying to think of one that I've done recently so like when when comics kind of cross fertilize ideas so they'll have a subject but they'll put it from a different perspective so i'm trying to think so they kind of do imagine if a child was doing that or imagine and you put it in a a different context so you can flight to things that are seemingly opposite so i've written a new piece recently about being uh, overly like affectionate over everything like I'm feeling quite hormonal and a little bit premenopausal and and it's sort of distilled down to me going on a doggy dating website called borrow my doggy <laughs> <laughs> where you put in your details and the dog puts on in it's nice so the idea of a cross species dating website has arisen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. From two <laughs> quite different ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dears. So does yeah. that... Ex- totally, yeah, yeah. So you've got two random things that sort yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, and that have, conflate have and, conflated and given yeah. you a kind of take. Yeah, that's... In- so that same kind of meandering thought process or, or, or linking things together, is that a useful technique when when you're actually doing your stand-up? And yeah. th- those times when you veer from the routine because someone yeah. said something... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...or something's occurred to you... Yeah. Or you spotted yeah. someone who you know looks a bit odd, or I don't yeah, know what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when your brain suddenly has to do some quick thinking, how does how does that work? That is um, that process speeded up. <laughs> That's it. So, so massively. Yeah. Um, I kind of think of it as like you know those sort of co- um, cartoons of a heat-seeking missile that yeah. it suddenly hits the target. <laughs> is that you can suddenly feel it coming together, and you know you're thinking very quickly, and you think you've got yeah. it, and it's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's- it's hit. That is interesting. So, so, uh, what? Because I'm, t- I'm, I think that's something that m- a lot of people just couldn't be, couldn't do. 
I th- I th- or yeah. would they be in such a position of panic? Yeah. In fact, most people but, say that, you know, it was it was a long time after that the thing I thought I should have said oh, yeah. reoccurred to me. So, yeah. But you and other great stand-ups obviously have an ability to be able to do to that do it quite in the quickly. moment. And I think it, one of the catalysts is panic. Is it? Yeah. That, so talk me through that. I think it's the... the, par- the I mean, you've, you're incredibly exposed when you've gone off script as a stand-up. I mean, that is the most terrifying part for me when it's suddenly you're just talking. So why would anyone do it? Why would you go off script then? If you'd like to say it's terrifying... Because you also know that that is the inspiration moment. That is the eureka moment for a stand-up, I think. Yeah. So when so And for your thinking, where it all just comes together beautifully and hits and then you've, you've created something new out of nothing. Yeah. And it wasn't there a second ago, but it exists now. And everybody laughed at the same time and everybody got it. Mm. But it doesn't hit every time often. You know, often. What happens when it doesn't? You um, learn to move on really quickly. Yeah. How do How do you do that? You can't mourn it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can't. I've seen people yeah. um, unravel. Yeah. Because they live in the moment and go, yeah. "Oh well, that didn't work, did it?" Yeah. And it starts to get cringy. It starts to get cringy, and it, I think acknowledging to mm. the audience is really useful. That that didn't work. I won't be using that again. Yeah, as a technique to move on. As a technique to move on, but a move on technique, I would say. Yeah. Because you can... It's a terrible conceit, I think, thinking that you can make people laugh. Mm. So for that moment you're on stage, you have to sort of keep the the confidence alive in yourself somehow. Yeah. Because it does just crash and burn, I think, if you don't. How do you do that? How do you keep that confidence? Um by particularly when something's just crashed and you say you have to keep the confidence how do you do that i think it's just trying to um just move on i think that is a craft i think that is why people do it for a long time and you don't become good at that overnight but Mm. you can practice and you can learn it yeah i think you can learn to be more resilient to audience and so so and you've got to have some kind of core belief in in your ability to entertain yeah and ability i guess to embrace the panic that you yeah, just mentioned yeah so, and convert panic into something yeah that's really interesting good yeah. rather than so use that the, kind of rather than catastrophic rush. like rather than oh no yeah it's all gone wrong it's like no it's brilliant it's all gone brilliant. wrong brilliant it's all gone wrong yeah <laughs> so if anyone's listening now and they're thinking that they really want to up their own creativity and and um, you know learn from some of the tools, techniques, and things that you had been talking about. What would be the one thing that you'd say to people to do today to make themselves more creative? I think just allow yourself to wonder, allow yourself to daydream, think crazy thoughts, and don't and don't um, don't censor yourself. Nina Gilligan, a brilliantly funny lady you must try and see live. So three really interesting things that Nina mentioned. The washing machine of influence. All those voices in your head, you know, people you know, experts in the field. Spin them round and then see how they'd approach your problem. She talked about leaving the problem alone. For Nina, that's having a bath, but it can be going for a run, sleeping on it, and just let the idea run in the back of your head and see what unexpected connections your brain makes when you just leave it to it. 
and using panic as a catalyst, going off script. Well, you can create or manufacture those moments of panic in any idea session. Just pretend the chief exec has just burst in on you and he wants an answer now. What are you going to say? Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find more in the Inside Funny Minds series on iTunes.